stand with me as we will hear from God. In Psalm 124, this is the word of the Lord to you this morning. This is the word that the word describes as going out and increasing our discipleship and dependence upon the Lord Jesus. Psalm 124 is that word. A song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You may be seated. The Psalms of Ascent are endlessly practical. These are the words given by the Spirit of God to give you faith when you walk through the life cycles of being a pilgrim. We are pilgrims. Making our way home, we are not yet there. And the Psalms of Ascent are for the nation of Israel as they make their way to Jerusalem. And their experiences as pilgrims are varied. They move from moments of lamenting and sorrow to then giving thanks. And we see that as we look at Psalm 123 last week. If you look back at the words of Psalm 123, you see the pilgrim's experience there is we have had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough hatred. We've had enough of their pride. Have mercy upon us, Lord. And then we get to Psalm 124. And this is the pilgrim's testimony. The pilgrim is testifying now that God answered the prayer that the psalmist prayed in Psalm 123. Do you have a testimony? I wonder if you give testimonials. If your closest friends or family were were asked, what would you be good at being a spokesman for? What do you think that they would say? They would, they would give the answer. Um, whatever it is that they keep hearing you talk about. That's what you're a good spokesman for. If you're a grandparent, I'm guessing the uh, checkers or the, the cashiers at Walmart have all heard about your grandchildren. 
that they they even they know how the the Texas Rangers should be scouting your grandson. You'll tell random strangers uh, how your grandchildren probably won't have much of a summer. You know, they're probably going to be asked to go to that teacher in-service day and uh, the, the, the teachers at Woodland need training. And I'm sure they're going to ask their students, your grandson, to do all the training. You promote whatever is precious to you. And if you're a Christian, the psalmist is saying to us, in Psalm 124, that you have been recruited. And you've been recruited into this select company of spokespeople. And you have something very great to say if you know the Lord. Your message is, all against us are no match for the Lord by us. Here is the message of Psalm 124 in a sentence. All against us are no match for the Lord who is by us. And this message is then unpacked in two sections where the psalmist, first of all, in verses 1 through 5, says, What would have happened? In verses 1 through 5, the psalmist says, We would have been destroyed. That's what would have happened. Look in verse 1, how the psalmist is making this private confession that he wants to become corporate. He wants a company of spokespeople to make the same confession that he is making in verse 1. He says, now all of you need to say something after what you just said in Psalm 123. Now you have something else to say. David is commanding every one of God's pilgrims, every one who is meeting God, going to serve Him, facing all the hills of danger to get to Him, and overcoming all these obstacles as they face every hardship. David is commanding everyone who has said that we've had contempt to then confess something different. We are to confess, all of us, verses 2 through 8. The Christian life, according to Psalm 124, is a steady movement from contempt to confession. Listen, we're seeing a pattern for our lives as pilgrims. The Christian life should be an increasing movement from experiencing contempt to then confessing something about what the Lord has done in response to our cries that we cry when we're experiencing the difficulties of this world. Verses 1-5 through contain two if-then confessions. Two if-then confessions. First of all, look at verses 2 and 3. David says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when angry men opened their mouth, we would have been destroyed. Now, David could be thinking about Saul's spear or Goliath's spear or 
Any and every time that the Philistines were seeking to destroy David, he may be thinking about those things in, in these verses, but uh, what you need to know is that David sees himself some way and he sees his enemies another way. David does not think of himself as being this great giant slayer. That's not what is in the mind of David. He is presenting himself in verses 2 and 3 as a tender and weak lamb. On the other hand, he sees his enemies and he wants Israel to see her enemies. He wants us to see our enemies for what they are. A monstrous lion. So monstrous, you need to know they're not going to nibble on you. They're not going to enjoy you, slowly savoring you like you're some fine meal. They have a great big mouth, you are so very small, they would swallow you alive if it had been anyone other than the one who was by your side. When David says, if it had been, if it had not been the Lord who, he's saying that we need Someone more than a man after God's own heart. We need someone more than all of David's mighty men. You need more than your best efforts. You need more than religion. If it is not the Lord who is on your side, you have no hope. That's the point. And the second confession in verses 4 and 5 speaks the same truth, and yet the pilgrim's predator has morphed. Has changed into now a raging sea. I think we can safely say that Queen did not make Israel's mixtape. We're not, we're not reading. We are the champions, my friend. That's not what David is saying, that we are champions. He is saying something about we. We are completely outmatched. Verses 4 and 5, the word us is our souls. That's, That's what he's saying. Once their anger was kindled against us, they became like a flash flood that would certainly have swept our souls away into the afterlife. We would have no hope. Yet, this is so full of gospel. David is saying, when impossible odds are against us, the Lord is by us. And he tells us about this Lord standing taller than those rising waters. And because He is by us, then we will stand whenever the raging waters crash against us. What we've seen from the beginning of this series is that the Psalms are the songs of the Savior. And we've meant two different things about the Psalms. Each one of them are singing about the Savior. Each one of them is sung by the Savior. And Psalm 124 is no different. It was sung by Not just David, but David's son. 
the most powerful people in all of Israel. The most powerful individual, Roman, in Jerusalem. The world's most fearsome military at Pilate's command rose against Jesus. And if the Lord had not been on Jesus' side, no one would still be talking about Him. No one would still be talking so much about Jesus because their cross would have gone over His soul and He would still be dead. Jesus' testimony, though, does not end in a grave. So verses 1-5 through is the confession not just of David or Israel, it is the confession of the Lord Jesus as well. All against us are no match for the Lord by us. So the question you should be asking is, is the Lord on my side? And if the Lord is on your side, then you can relate to this experience of a pilgrimage, of going from content to then making this confession of how the Lord has met you. Verses 1 through 5 is what would have been. And what would have been, make no mistake, is we would have been destroyed. Verses 6 through 8 is not what would have been. It is what did happen. Verses 6 through 8 make this point. We have been delivered. We have been delivered. Now, I have a critter problem in my house. Um, All kinds of little critters will hear uh, through the night. Um, And the biggest problem with the critters in my house is that I am an awful hunter of critters. And so every few years I have to make a phone call, like I did Wednesday, to my favorite professional trapper. You say, why can't you do this yourself? Why would you call um, a professional? And since I assume you like hearing stories about me as a failed hunter, I will tell you another. Every once in a while, um, my beauty sleep is interrupted. In the middle of the night, I will hear large pieces of furniture being moved around. And so I go into the pantry and I ask, what you doing, woman? Uh, Kelly, what you doing? Moving the dryer and the washer at 1 o'clock in the morning. And she says, I'm trying to trap a rat. And then I say, move over, sweetheart. Let me handle this. I've got a Louisville slugger in one hand. I've got a large pot in the other hand. Those rats are so fast. Uh, you may have never dealt with this brand of rat that I've dealt with, but they are wicked fast. They shimmy up, you know, the washer and dryer. They'll crawl up the, you know, the, the refrigerator. They uh, collapse their bodies. I don't understand this. And they, they'll, they'll, they'll get away from me through the cracks in the in the baseboards. It is simply impossible to catch these rats. That's why I call a professional to do it. Psalm 124 is looking back 
on Israel's deliverances. These moments of salvation. And we are reading these accounts from our position, these examples of many salvations. They were major in the Old Testament, and you need to understand how they should operate in your life as many salvations, many small salvations that really and truly paint the picture of truth about the ultimate salvation that we experience through Jesus. What I'm saying is that in order for you to understand salvation through Jesus, you need the small salvation experiences of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. What I'm saying is you need Psalm 124 or else you will misunderstand what it means to be saved by Jesus. And here are two misconceptions that are actually common about salvation for those who are not remembering Psalm 124. The first misconception about salvation is that we were not pray for the same reason, not for the same reason, that my rats weren't prey. Okay? Did you follow me? Verse 6 says, We were not prey when the predator came. And you need to not misunderstand your salvation and think that you were not prey in the same way that my rats are not prey in my home. Your Lack of being caught by the predator is very different than the reason why I as a predator fail to catch my prey. What I'm asking you to consider is your testimony and what you are confessing when you confess your salvation. Verse 7 tells you, you had fowlers. Not fowler. Fowlers, multiple hunters, setting these nets out to catch fowl or birds. You had multiple. I'll just mention two. Your sin. Your sin in your own heart was set to rip your soul into pieces like a hunter would tear the flesh of a dove with its teeth, we're told in verse 6. But your bigger predator was the prince of demons. Another fowler setting a net to trap you was studying you knows you, I mean your habits, and the ways that they can hide Jesus, He can hide Jesus from you, and keep you, trap you, hold you for hell. And David says, if you are a believer, you are not prey. Though you had those predators, you are not prey. And it is not because you're some sort of super rat. You're not some spiritual rat. Or in this case, you're not some bird. That's that's like the Avengers, you know, uh, his falcon is his name. 
You're not some falcon who dodges all the traps because of your superior weapons. It's not because you had better flight patterns than those who were caught. Verse 7, don't you get what verse 7 is saying about believers? Our fowlers did not fail to catch us. You were caught. You were caught. You were caught. You have escaped, not by yourself. You were in the snare of sin and Satan. The second misconception that Psalm 124 helps us to understand about our salvation is our enemies were not hunters like me. Our predators were not like me when I'm seeking those critters. The other night I had game hen for the first time. Let me tell you, after tasting that game hen, if you ever come across some game hen and and you just know that you can't eat it all, do not bring it to me. I have no interest in eating that game hen ever again. I learned when I ate game hen that that's the kind of bird that you kill for a trophy, not for the meat. Listen, if Jesus is not your life, if He's not your life, you are still caught. And you need to know something about your hunter. If He's not everything to you, if you're not living for Him, you need to know that Satan is not a catch and release kind of hunter. He will never release you until He eats you. Verses 6 and 7 are the picture of something that would not be fulfilled until the Son of God came to earth. Verse verse 7 then teaches us why He came. It was to redeem. To redeem sinners. To release sinners from capture. We were captured. This is our testimony. This is the gospel. We were captured. We have escaped. And the gospel is even better than that because we do not understand that we were these innocent little birds that God pitied. Our confession is that the greatest predator of all For our souls was God Himself. That we were under His wrath for our willful sin. Don't misunderstand how we got caught. We happily took the bait. We willingly flew right into the snare. We love sin. That's why we sin. God was storing up a flood of anger. And that is what Jesus took on the cross. If you are someone who does not devote your life to the Lord Jesus, we sang earlier that your striving would be losing. Your efforts to get out of the net that you are in will be losing. You won't get out if the right man 
is not on your side. The good news of the gospel is that on the cross, Jesus did not just absorb God's wrath for our sin. He also broke the snare. He broke the snare that Satan was using to hold us in. And what verse 7 is teaching us is he got there. Yes, we were caught, but he got there in time before the hunter checked the trap, before the hunter could sink his teeth in and chew us up. The Son of God got to us. He can get to you. He can get to you before Satan finishes what he started. He will finish what he started if Jesus doesn't get to you. What Psalm 124 is calling you to do is to confess your need of help and then to confide in the only one who can stand by when Satan comes against the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin, trust in Him, and He will save you. Verse 8. I want to spend the rest of the time on verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want to spend the rest of our time in verse 8 because it's so important. What we see in verse 8 is so important because in the Bible, all that you need to know about a person is in their name. There is a name that's emphasized in verse 8. It's the maker. The Lord is the maker. To communicate a very practical truth to pilgrims. On our way to the Lord are many snares. The one who is on your side, whenever floods threaten your soul, or hunters set traps for your soul, is the one who just happened to make waters. He is the one who rules over the fields. David is saying, there are snares, and you can have total assurance. If you place your confidence in the right place. And he's telling us that The confidence of a Christian comes from the character of our God. And the character of our God is reflected in the name of our God. He is the maker. So every trap is on His turf. Every trap the enemy sets for you is on the turf of your God. What may be more important from verse 8 is how we understand the pilgrimage from the realities of Psalm 123 finding its conclusion in Psalm 124, verse 8. The psalmist's contempt that he was experiencing in Psalm 123 turn in Psalm 124 into a confession. Contempt results in experiencing a salvation that leads to a confession. And the 
point that we learn in verse 8 is the reason why this happened is our helper lives up to his name. He lives up to his name. David does not say, strangely, in verse 8, our helper is the Lord. He says our help is in the name of the Lord. Have mercy, Psalm 123. Have mercy, Yahweh. The name, surely, that he's thinking about whenever God described himself by saying his name to Moses in Exodus 34, when he said, Yahweh, Yahweh, who am I? I am a God who is merciful. I am merciful. Have mercy, Yahweh. The name. Where is your confidence, your confidence that your soul will not go to hell? Where can that kind of confidence come from? Christian confidence is rooted in the character of God. And the character of God is proven to be true in the saving acts of God. I want you to follow what what the Psalms are teaching us. That the present confidence that we can have according to verse 8, comes from a confession of 1 through 7 kind of help in the past. Verses 1 through 7 is a confession. He helped us before. That leads the psalmist in verse 8 to be reminded, not just of past acts of salvation, but of a timeless character of his God. The psalms of ascent were ordered, put in this order, by saints who were suffering. It's when the people of Israel came back from Babylonian captivity. When they were freed. But they come back to a land that has no temple and no throne. They, God is not with them in the same way that He was before, and they do not have a king. They're feeling need. And so what they do is they look to Psalm 124. And what they're doing is these saints are looking back to David's salvation. And when they look back to how David was saved, they say, therefore we will be saved. I'm making a careful argument, and I hope you're following. Let me put it this way. Psalm 124 is a journey From was to is. Verse 1. The Lord was on our side. Verse 8. Our help is. In the name of our Lord. Was. Becomes. Is. I'm trying to help you. Whenever you face hardship. And you're trying to answer the question, how can I have assurance that my soul will not find itself in hell? Was, becomes, is. That is, unless the Lord changes. And so the psalmist says, look at His name. Look at His name. I am. I never change. 
I am merciful. So the psalmist can say, have mercy. And David can experience the mercy and say, he was on my side. He is on my side. And so if you look at the name, and if the, the name that you are looking to for help, if that name is Jesus, and if you are looking to Him, because you know if it had not been Jesus who was on my side when the wrath of God came against me, then I would be swallowed in hell, but He is on my side. If the only helper you look to has a name of Jesus, and that name means Savior from sins, and you've got great confidence now and always. His name is Savior. That is who He is. So if He was Savior, He is Savior. Christian, God is for you and not against you. God is for you. Here's the assurance. And not against you. Why? Because He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him for us. That's how those verses relate in Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son, will he not with him give us all good things? He gave us his son. All the assurance of certain glorification in Romans 8 is based on the past giving of the son and the son giving his life so that now we say he is. The church of Jesus Christ is a company of spokespersons whose message is because Jesus was, God is. You need something to say. You need something to say in your heart when Satan sets the next snare. It is coming for you. God, Satan will tell you, God must not be on your side Not on your side. You're a sinner. You keep confessing that sin and you just keep on doing that sin. What are you going to say? When the world comes against you because you trust in Jesus, they say, is it worth having Him on your side? You have to miss all our fun. uh, Why does it matter that you've got Him on your side? When He's not even keeping you from hardship, what are you going to say? When against us circumstances come and they're coming, what we need is to confide. We confess past salvation and confide. Confidence in present help. Verses 1-5 through is full of ifs. Did you see that? Verses 1 through 5 was just full of ifs and when the world and when sin and when Satan come against you, what will fill your soul will be ifs. What if? Beloved, just remember that all the ifs in verses 1 through 5 were hypothetical. Not one of them were real. There is no if. The psalmist is just imagining what would have happened if. 
There is no if. There's no if God is for you, if you're in Christ. What did happen, happened because there was actually no chance that those people would be swallowed up because God is by them. Christian, I want you to see the logic of this, what's been called the Everest of the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. God can only be for you. Because Jesus died for you, God can only be for you. Because Jesus' death removes all that God had against you. And if Jesus removed all that God had against you, who can come against you? That's why David in verse 1, some translations it says, let Israel repeat again and again, I'm free. Let Israel repeat. Let him say again and again, I'm free. He broke my snare. Verse 7, we have escaped. Then he repeats it. We have escaped. Verse 8, then we will escape. We will escape. He is our helper right now when spiritual trials come. When suffering for Jesus comes, when hunger comes, when danger comes because of our sin, whenever death comes against us, whenever demons come against us, whenever things threatening us right now, we see the snares, even the things that we cannot see. If anything in all creation comes against us, there is one by us. And he's there saying, if you want him, if you want her, you got to come through me. All against us are no match for the Lord by us. Beloved, you are a spokesperson. Confess and confide. Jesus is going to live up to his name. He is a Savior. And what that means is he who was my Savior is and will always be my Savior. Father in heaven, we thank you for these ancient songs that meet the ifs in our souls with the true